Today, we're going to continue in a series uh, called Midnight Answers. This is part two. Uh, uh, in, the, in, in our first service, uh, I quickly realized that this may extend beyond three weeks. Uh, I believe God is, is speaking to us about the area of prayer. Anybody growing in prayer this year? Come on, are we growing? There's some people saying, man, I'm taking the next step. I'm beginning to grow in prayer. Uh, many of you are beginning to grow in your Bible reading. Anybody reading along with us? Uh, that's an incredible, uh, you know, we're uh, about 150 of us uh, are, are in community reading uh, a one-year Bible uh, uh, app uh, on the Bible app, and it, it's just been so, so good and if you're saying, hey, I believe God has set an open door before us, that God is uh, going to walk me into new areas of fellowship with him, new areas of ministry this year, we are going to have to figure out what it means to persist in the, the place of prayer. And when we pray, it's not just simply God uh, giving us a religious activity to keep us out of trouble. Prayer is actually where we have a conversation with God, and as a result of those meaningful conversations, God brings to bear on this planet his will, his life, his salvation, his healing, and his love. That's what happens when we pray. Now, there's all kinds of ideas about prayer. Uh, I heard about these uh, three pastors and alignment. You know what alignment is? One who works on the power lines, right? These three pastors and alignment, they were talking to one another. This, this one pastor chimed in in his conversation about prayer, and he says, Hey, I've discovered the perfect way to pray. I mean, it's the most effective way you can pray is on your knees. Man, when I pray on my knees, man, God really moves. The other pastor spoke up and said, no, I think you're wrong about that. I don't know. I don't get anything when I'm on my knees. The perfect way to pray is prostrate on your face, lay down all the way down on the floor. The other pastor said, well, guys, you know, I appreciate your opinions, but you're totally wrong. The best way to pray is with your eyes open, hands extended, and out loud. Man, I get such results when I pray that way. And the lineman kind of looked at those three guys and says, Well, you know, I don't think any of you are right. They said, What do you know? You're just a lineman. He said, Yeah, but... Last week, I was tethered in on a pole, and suddenly, I slipped, and it was only my safety harness, and I was hanging upside down on a pole, and I prayed, and I'm going to tell you, that was an effective prayer. <laughs> I want to tell you, God wants to teach us some things about prayer. And let me just say to you, if you find yourself in life right now and you feel like, man, I'm tethered and I'm hanging by a string, and I, that's a good time to learn how to pray. That's a good time to get some answers from heaven and to understand that God wants to get involved in that moment. And we, we have such a wonderful Savior that he would speak to us and teach us that there's more to prayer 
than just what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes our religious activities and even our backgrounds have reduced prayer to only the Lord's Prayer. But after Jesus taught on the Lord's Prayer, in Luke chapter 11, it says something very profound, and I want you to grab hold of it from the very beginning. It says this, Then, teaching them more about prayer. Look at your neighbor, perhaps your spouse, look at them and say, You've got some things to learn about praying for me. (laughs) you got some things to learn about prayer. Why? Because Jesus says there's more to learn. So he's teaching them more about prayer, and he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from the bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked at night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For whoever, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If I were just to summarize uh, this story in one sentence, it would be this. God loves to answer bold, faith-filled prayers. He loves, he is the friend at midnight that you can go to when you are in need. And by the one, he's the one that has everything in your house that you need. Let me make it even more simply simple because we were singing it this morning. Give me Jesus. Listen to me, church. Jesus is what we need. He is the bread that is able to feed the friend that comes into our life when we have nothing to give. He is that one. Now, I want you to notice the threefold nature of persistent prayer. It says this, and uh, it says, ask, seek, and knock. But I, I, I quoted this from the New Living Translation because it really grabs hold of the Greek tense. In, in, in maybe a New King James, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. But the Greek tense is present future tense. That means that it's happening now, but it is meant to continually happen. So it means ask and keep on asking. Matter of fact, if you were to read the amplified version of the Bible, it would say that very thing. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So God is trying to teach us something about persistent prayer that gets results. God doesn't want us to simply have a prayer life just to say that we prayed. He wants our lives to produce something with him to bring meaningful change. So last week, we, we talked about those asking prayers, which I said it to you this way, asking prayers or what prayers? Talked about those three questions, those three what questions that you can add to your prayer life. Uh, What do I need? What do I need? God, what do I need? 
And, and usually we think we know what we need, but Jesus tells us what we need in Matthew 6.33. He says, you need the kingdom of God. You need a king in your life. You need Jesus to rule and reign in your life. You need to be born again. He said, you can't see what you need unless, you're been, unless you've been born of the Spirit. You need a king in your life. You have been made to rule and reign by the benevolent King Jesus. We are built with that. He says, that's our greatest need. It's not our clothes. It's not our, uh, not our checking account. It's not what are we going to eat. It is we need the kingdom of God, and then we also need his righteousness. We need that. That is like the number, like one and two. That's what we need. And so when we realize that, that those things, that, that we need a life that manifests the risen Son of God, then suddenly our what prayers begin to position us to say, okay, well, if this is what I need, what do others need? And then the third question is, is what, is, what is something I can do? Go back and listen to that message. I believe it'll be helpful to many people. But asking prayers or what prayers, that's the way the Lord said it to me. He said, seeking prayers are where prayers. And knocking prayers are when prayers. I know most of us want to skip ahead to the when prayers, okay? We want to get to the when prayers, but we've got some seeking that we've got to figure out. We got to understand this nature of where prayers, that there is a, there is a motion to your prayer life and a movement to your prayer life. So it says, keep on asking and you will receive. Now notice this, it says, keep on seeking and you will find. I want to give you just a couple of ideas connected to seeking this morning. I doubt I will get through all these notes. So if you're a, a, a note follower on the Bible app, you may get part two of this in a couple of weeks. One thing that as a church we are seeking is to be the hub of of advocating for foster kids in this community. And next week, we have a missionary from Royal Family Kids who is going to be sharing here, who has seen the results of when churches say, we are going to, by God's help, reach out to those who have, are forgotten and oftentimes just thrown away. And so we're seeking it, and here's what I'm telling you we're going to find. We're going to find that foster families around this, this, this county are going to come to this place and find help. And they're going to find, uh, I believe, Christ in a meaningful way. So we're seeking that. That's why it's real important that we would host him and hear him. And you don't want to miss it. It's going to be incredible. But I also want you to know that we are seeking, and this seeking truth, I believe, has anybody ever been, as a husband, chained to your wife and drug through Hobby Lobby? You don't have to raise your hand. Husband, look straight ahead. Don't move. I, husbands, you're not supposed to laugh. Look at her right now. No, honey, I enjoy going. I don't know what he's talking about. One of the, one of the key verses, you'll, you'll start walking through that place, and after you get you know, past... Uh, some of the ancillary things. There's all of this artwork that's Christian artwork and, and different scriptures on the wall. And one that they love to make artwork out of is Jeremiah 29, 11, right? 
Rightfully so. And you're walking down, man, for I know the plans I have to. And you're like in Hobby Lobby in chains going, glory to God. There's freedom in Christ out of this star. But you know, this is not your plan for me, God. You said it was a hope and a future. Oh. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm helping you. Anyways. Oh, man. My wife is working. That way I can get away with that. Um, so. But here's what we don't often do. We, we want that scripture on the wall. But the two verses that follow it are so important. If you're never really going to enter into the hope and the future, unless you get the seeking truth that follows behind it. It says this, then you will call upon me. Uh Uh-oh. When you know how God thinks about you and his plans for you, he says, then you're going to have a prayer life. Hope and a future are connected to a people who will what? Begin to seek God. He says, then you will call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listen to this. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Listen, your good plans and your good future are directly connected to your seeking and that seeking isn't for your benefit for your blessing or for your prosperity it is seeking God himself it's seeking him many times in our Christian walks uh, we get born again and we think all of our seeking is done we pray a prayer we invite Jesus into our life and we're like whoa that's it Now, I'm just about the task of living in a way that kind of honors God. Okay, we're going to honor God. Yeah, but you're missing the point. If you miss the first calling of every believer, which is, listen, to seek God, you are going to miss the realities of the hope and future that he has for you. Our seeking, this where, starts with a who. Seeking connects to a who before it moves to a where. It is, I must seek to know God. And here's the great news about this verse. God wants to be found. God wants to be found. Now at times, it seems as if he enjoys hide and seek. But he he plays hide and seek with us kind of like a parent plays hide and seek with a toddler. All right, count to 10, I'm going to go hide. You hear it? Eight, nine, 10, and you're standing right by the couch. (laughs) And they come over and they're like, I found you. See, here's the truth. You need to know this about God. He's hiding in plain sight. And he wants to be found by you. And when you begin this life of prayer and life of seeking to 
to say, man, I'm going to grow in my faith. It starts by seeking to know him. We quoted it uh, earlier from Psalm 27. One thing have I desired, but notice what Psalm 27 verse 8 says. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, Lord, will I seek. Oh, man, I can't tell you how many times I have been in, in wonderful moments and altars. People are, are legitimately longing for God, and they, they know that uh, some measure of prophetic gift uh, rests on my life. And they'll, they'll come, and, and, and they'll say, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me. Tell me what God is saying. I'm like, I don't even need to pray. Here's what God is saying. Seek my face. No, 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 pastor. No, no, you don't understand. I understand that. But I need you to tell me what he's saying specifically. Seek my face. Church, the mistake that many of us have made over the years and decades when we get around exceptionally gifted people when it comes to spiritual gifts is often we have sought ministers rather than the one who empowers the minister. And God's word to us, to who is the church of the last day, is this. Seek my face. Seek to know me. Seek to know me. Listen, uh, while I am in full agreement with the fivefold ministry from Ephesians chapter 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Listen, if you ever get to the place where you look at people who stand on a stage and think, wow, somehow they, they've climbed the mountain of, of, of spiritual maturity. And man, they are, they are now uh, speaking to us from a, a high and lofty place. You are dead wrong and you don't know your Bible. My Bible says that when you go to heaven, there will be a foundation. And on that foundation of the New Jerusalem are some names. It's Peter and John and James. The names of the apostles are where? Not up high, down low. And the role of the church is simply this. We as five-fold vocational ministers, we are called to get under you and to elevate your own seeking of God. Don't come just seeking the gifting. I believe that when you leave this place, you'll hear God like never before. You'll be encouraged in the things of God. God will open doors and understanding of Scripture, perhaps like never before. Or, but don't think, wow, I only experience those things in the limited time that I'm sitting in Calvary Church. No, if you will begin to seek God's face, I promise you, the scriptures will unfold, your purpose will unfold, his voice will unfold. God is saying, seek my face. And we need a moment where the heart of the bride once more says, your face, Lord, is what I see. I know some of you are crossing your arms and thinking to yourself, you know, the Bible also says no man can see the face of God and live. That is true. And if you would kill your, 
kill your flesh, you could see him. I bless you real good with that. We're all called to die to self. We have to die. Yeah, you're right. In the Old Testament, there was only one dying to self. In the New Testament, we get the Spirit of God that comes into us, and we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm dead. Then what? I can seek his face and know him at a level that nobody in the Old Testament ever could, except for prophets, priests, and kings. I'm telling you, God is saying, some of your seeking prayers this year is, needs to be that, that prayer of Moses. Show me your glory. God, show me your face. Show me your face. I want to know you. Our where prayers begin with a who. But our seeking prayers, they then turn into where's. And I don't know that I'll get through all my points today. I really just want to kind of start you on a journey that understands that when you get born again, you then begin to Finally begin to know God. Then, what's a good prayer that we could pray that's a where prayer? Here's what it is. This happens right after you get born again. God, where are you moving? God, where are you moving? Where do I see the activity of heaven moving? By the way, we, you don't have to look very far to find the activity of hell, the activity of sin, the activity of man. You don't have to, you don't have to look very far for that. But I want to tell you also that God is moving in this hour. And God gives us an Old Testament example of what it looks like when God actually brings a, a whole bunch of people into a life that sees where he's moving. It's found in Exodus chapter 13. If you begin to pray this prayer, God will begin to manifest in your life this way. God, where are you moving? You're going to see God much like the children of Israel did. The children of Israel, when they brought out of Egypt, God showed them how he was leading in a very profound way. And it says this, verse 20 through 22, it says, So they took their journey. Notice, where prayers and seeking prayers mean movement. They mean movement. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went with them. How did he go with them? By day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. And he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night. From before his people. Now, in the Old Testament, Egypt is a type of, of sin. It represents our life in slavery to sin. And what happens? God, by his own work, the ten plagues, God, by his own hand, let me say it to you another way so you understand it, by his grace, liberates three million people from their oppressors. They receive their freedom 
as a gift from God. So when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt, here's what happened. It's, a, it, it's, it's like you can understand it that they were saved, that they were born again. And God brings them out of Egypt. And what does he immediately do? Shows them a cloud by day and a fire by night. What does that mean? When you are born again, you are to immediately become a spirit-led follower of Christ. That God wants to lead you in this process of becoming who he wants you to be. Now, when, when God goes and rescues them from uh, slavery, what does he do? He takes them out of Egypt. But he gives them a cloud and a fire. He gives them his spirit and he gives them motion, something to seek. Why? Because he wants to get Egypt out of them. It's, listen, you find it at the, at the Red Sea. They're like, oh man, weren't there graves enough in Egypt? Man, you brought us out here to die, Moses. And, 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 um, and God speaks up and says, why are they calling out to me? Why are they crying and complaining about wanting to go back to Egypt? He says, Moses, stretch out your hand. Over the waters, over this Red Sea. We followed the cloud and we followed uh, the fire and it led us to this hard place. Now, that's what is the next step. Now, I want to say this. What, how does that translate to a New Testament life? It's Romans 8, 14. And it says, for all who are led by the Spirit, they're the children of God. Now, why the problem? Why the disconnect for so many? Why so many are, 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 are so many people saying, man, I, I don't know how to follow the Spirit? Well, perhaps it's because, uh, well, we, we didn't do the first part of our seeking, and that's to seek to know who God is and how He moves. And I want to give you something that I think is very practical and very helpful. Um, in our uh, one-year Bible program, uh, it's, uh, uh, commentary is given from Nikki Gumbel, who, who founded the Alpha Program, which is responsible for discipling millions of people all over the world. And it's been very helpful. Uh, he's a very insightful, intellectual man, and he really helps people to understand in very practical ways uh, supernatural matters. And he gives the five CSs which is terrible, but that's what they are. They're CSs, and, or you could call them the five Cs, of how, understanding how God leads. So if you're seeking him, you're going to have to understand, he's moving, how does he lead? How is he leading me? How is he going to get this, this thought life of an Egyptian out of me and get me thinking like a son or a daughter? Well, uh, let, me, let me give you these five Cs. First... Um, there is commanding scripture. God leads by his spirit through the commands of scripture. This is so wonderful. 
See, the, the, 2 Timothy 3 says all scripture is God-breathed. It's the breath of God. It's the wind of God. It's the spirit of God. All scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, we know that the commands, the clear commands of scripture are God's spirit leading us. We cannot go to the scripture and say, oh God, I want purpose. But man, I don't want you to talk to me about that area of my life. I don't want you to really talk to me about these areas of sin, anger, malice, unforgiveness. That's an issue. Oh, it's a huge issue. Drunkenness, huge issue. There's all kinds of huge issues. And, And what do we do? We say, I don't want you to deal with that. I just want, tell me how you want to bless me. Get back to seeking his face to know his character and emulate what you see. So we have this commanding scripture. Whatever God commands is his spirit leading you. So if you're ever wondering, what is God saying to me? Start here. It's in your house. It's probably on your smartphone. Matter of fact, the smartest thing you can do with your phone is download the Bible app. And instead of just using your phone to scroll, 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 why don't you open the scroll that has the words of life in it and you can begin to understand that God's commanding scripture is his spirit leading me. Well, I just don't feel that. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what he says. So let me give you another one, a compelling spirit. How does he lead? How do we seek God and find out where he's moving? We have a compelling spirit that sometimes you just feel compelled to go somewhere, to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, a lot of you ended up in Citrus County this way. You're like, I don't know why God told me to move here. I don't know how I got here, but God got me here. And you were compelled. You're like, oh, Dragging, I know, I know, I know. You know, the thought of moving to, the pl- to a place that is absent of the smell of peanut oil with God's chicken dipped in pickle juice was just a, a, a thought of, okay, God, you're calling me to a wilderness. <laughs> Some of you, you don't like chicken, chicken juice. What's he talking about? Chick-fil-A. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know what you've been dreaming about on this fast, but I, I got some dreams that God is going to bless me with. January 26th. Bless God. And so sometimes there is a compelling spirit that gets us in the right place at the right time. I told, uh, I told this story in uh, first service uh, on, on Friday. had a meeting uh, with, with some people, and I left that meeting... And I felt the leadership of the Lord to do something I did not want to do. I did not want to do it. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I know. I just want to maybe uh, go and, uh, and be by myself. And I, like, I, I thought, Lord, this, is this really you? I even sat in the parking lot of this place. I thought, is this really you? I'm like, okay, fine. And eventually I turned my truck off and I walked into Bell's Outlet of all places. (laughs) 
It's okay. <laughs> we all have our cross to bear. And as soon as I walked in, there's two women from our church right inside the door. And I got, man, I got, I'm like, I walked in the door and I said, now I know why I'm here. And, and got to pray and get updates on, on what doctors were saying and different things. And a, and a right now, right then connection that God compelled me to go and do it. I just got to tell you, sometimes God leads by a compelling spirit. And it's not a word. It's like, oh, I feel like I have to do this or, I'll, or I'm out of the will of God. I told a story in daily prayer a few days ago about how I ended up in a Methodist church on top of a mountain in Copper Hill, Tennessee. It was the final night of camp. It's our big blowout, man. We go after God on final nights of camp impact, man, and kids' lives are changed. But I was pumping gas, and I felt that compelling spirit. No word, nothing. I left the gas station, stood on the corner, and God said, there's a Methodist church on the top of this hill that I want you to go to. I just started, I just typed in Methodist church, went up the hill, and it was burnt down. It was a, it was a historical church, burnt up. I couldn't believe it. You could still see uh, in the charred remains some of the stained glass windows from hundreds of years ago. And I thought, God, you brought me up here to show me a burnt down church? And a gold Camry pulled up to a four-way stop. And... Uh, and the lady had her window down. I said, hey, um, pardon me. It, is there another Methodist church up here on this little mountain? She looked at me strange. She said, yes, I'm the church secretary. Follow me. I'm like, get in the car, guys. God's about to do something. And we get up there. And I just felt God say, you need to come and encourage this Methodist pastor. I want to encourage him. You bring camp, all of camp, move it. And I don't know if you know, like, y'all are so blessed in here today. It's nice and cool. You know, sometimes when churches open, they don't turn on the AC for you. Yeah, July. In this, in this Methodist church built up on the hill, which was the, the historical building burnt down, and they had a new building up on the hill. And we went into that place, and there was a pastor there named David. I said, how appropriate. And uh, God told me I want to move in this church. And first of all, I said, God, you move in Methodist churches? It was a joke. <laughs> I'll never forget that night. Compelled by the Spirit. We brought everybody in. And there was one song that was overflowing in my heart. To sing as a blessing to this Methodist church on the top of the hill. This Methodist pastor really just kind of showing up. Opening the doors and standing in the back. I said... Young people were here 
to release a blessing on this place, to bless this pastor and to bless this church. It says, let's bless it in the best possible way. And we lifted our hands and we begin to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. And suddenly, about a hundred of us begin to release that chorus. And I look in the back, and there's tears rolling down the face of a discouraged pastor who could suddenly feel the, pray, the presence of God in the place where he was pastoring. We got to pray over him and bless him, and we thought that was the, the full of it. But then he said, you guys have blessed me so much. Would you, would you allow me to bless you? And in his classic uh, Wesleyan way, he extended hands to us and began to pronounce the ironic blessing of Numbers 24. May the Lord shine upon you. Cause his face to shine upon you. And, and we all got overwhelmed with the presence of God. See, it turned out that Pastor David had almost given up on a prophetic word. He was standing on a word that one day lights would come up that mountain of people longing to encounter Jesus. Listen to me. For healing in their bodies. We had no idea. But his wife would call me later and say, you have no idea what God has done in my heart and the heart of this pastor. Because you followed God's spirit. God, where are you moving? I would also like to add to this, and I, I won't keep you very long. Did you know that the Lord leads through common sense? So if that realm seems foreign to you, let's step into one we could all stand to walk in. Common sense. Hey. Hey, God says this is good. So this is good. Hey, this makes sense. Hey, this would build unity. This would build life. Let me just, tell, let me just say it to you this way. You don't need an asteroid to fall out of heaven and kill the dog next door in order for you to know that you should love your neighbor. You just need common sense. I'm praying for a revival, and with it comes common sense, okay? Let me give you another one, the counsel of the saints. This is another way God leads. Today, as you're leaving, you can actually get connected with other saints in life groups. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. When there's other born-again, spirit-filled believers, there's wisdom in those places. And I would suggest to you this, that there's wisdom that we miss out on when we don't connect meaningfully in relationship. 
Let me give you the last one and I'll finish with this. Sometimes there are circumstantial signs. Sometimes God moves and you're like, man, I saw this sign and I knew it was God. I saw this sign and this sign and this sign and there is no way it was a coincidence. It was God. About 10 years ago, on a Sunday morning, I met a family that was walking up. I said, hey, welcome. How are you doing? Welcome to Calvary. And uh, I just asked them, I said, oh, you're new here. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's our first time. I said, how'd you hear about us? They said, oh, your your billboard. I said, uh, which one? They said, oh, the one right over here on uh, 46. It told us, turn right on Croft and, you know, it'd be on the right-hand side. I'm like, oh, awesome. Because we don't have one. <laughs> they said, no, no, yes, we, yes, you do. We can take you right to it. Mm-mm. We looked into it. It was like $800 a month. And we said, "Uh uh-uh. No. And they're like, what? They go back. And the next week they said there was no sign there. But there was a sign there. I'm just going to tell you. When you say, God, where are you moving? Sometimes he'll give you a sign. He will blow your mind and get you right where he needs you to be. Our vision here is to see people saved and healed and empowered by God's spirit and launched into their calling. We want this to be a hub of where God is moving. So when somebody dares to seek the who of our seeking, that is to seek his face, and they say, where, God, are you moving? They can find that Calvary is one of many churches where God... God is on the move. But it all starts with, I need to know you. 